Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with you, broadcasting post-week three moratorium with Rich Hill. The Patriots dropped one to the Saints. They are one and two on the season, but that is okay because I'm here talking football with my buddy Rich, and it's always better after a loss when I can commiserate with you, man. Oh, totally, totally, and this was definitely one of those games where you leave going, well... Nothing went their way. That was, that, was a, that was a bad game. And that happens about like once a year at least for a, a Belichick team, max of two. So glad it's out of the system. Um, this is one where, you know, slightly different from week one where every single fumble went the, the wrong way for the Patriots. This was a game where just ridiculous things were happening. Like that Jameis Winston touchdown where he was being sacked. He threw up a prayer. He wasn't even looking. And the, you know, the fact that they were, Marquez Callaway was able to bobble it around against Jonathan Jones and come down with it, that was emblematic of the entire game. But we will break it all down. Alec, how is it going for you? How was your uh, time watching week three of the NFL? You know, Rich, I think when you and I were doing kind of our week three preview, you were sneaky excited for this week's slate of games, and oh, yeah. I was sneak, sneaky not excited. I thought there were not a lot of good matchups, but uh, as usual with this podcast, you were right and I was wrong, because I think there were some pretty solid games uh, and some surprising outcomes this week. I guess the Steelers kind of stink now. They dropped to the <laughs> Bengals 24-10, to 10, which you never used to hear in years past, but probably the biggest shocker to me was the Chargers taking out the Chiefs, who now share the same record of the Patriots at one and two. The Chargers, I, I don't know if this is a divisional thing. Those games always kind of can go either way. I don't know if the Chargers are legit now. I don't know how much of that game you watch, Rich, but, um, you know, I know it's too early to say, oh, the NFL's figured Patrick Mahomes out, but good for the Chargers, man. That's a surprising win for me. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is Chiefs were leading. They were, I think they're up 24-21, uh, like halfway through the fourth quarter. So that, that wasn't a case of, you know, them just losing it. I mean, like the, the Chargers went out there and they won that game. And I, I think what's important to note is, uh, you know, they came back. They, they, they were able to come back uh, and score that game-winning touchdown with just 32 seconds left on the clock. Uh, they got an interception off of Patrick Mahomes, which, uh, you know what, Mahomes cost them the game. Uh, and, and so the Chargers had a very short field. They were able to drive for just one minute and get that game-winning touchdown. Kudos to the Chargers. They absolutely deserve it. And in my mind, it's the, the Chargers will forever be the thorn in the Chiefs' side, the way that the Dolphins are for the Patriots. No matter how bad the Chargers are, how good the Chiefs are, vice versa, it's always going to come down to haunt the Chiefs because they're going to drop one to the Chargers. Speaking of the Dolphins, Rich Hill, the Dolphins dropped an overtime thriller to the undefeated Las Ooh. Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are now one of two teams in the AFC, along with the 
surprising Denver Broncos, which we'll talk about <laughs> in a minute, uh, at 3-0. and I think the Raiders have looked honestly fantastic through three weeks of football. I know it's still early and a lot of things to be decided still, but I think they're legit. Oh, totally. I mean, I, I think that Carr will hopefully get his due at some point. Uh, I, I think that they've been getting some contributions on offense from everywhere. You know, they, they finally have a good big size out, uh, outside receiver in Brian Edwards. Uh, Ruggs is still that speedster guy. Renfro's in the slot. Waller is their detached tight end. So they have a very, very good array of talent that can, you know, all take advantage of a potential matchup. And this is a good Dolphins secondary. And so the the fact that the Raiders were able to do that is a testament to their offense. And I think the fact that, you know, the Dolphins were able to go toe-to-toe with them uh, is also a testament to the fact that the Dolphins, who are sitting at 1-2, and two, just like the Patriots, with Jacoby Brissett under center, uh, taking over for Tua Tagovailoa, means that this Dolphins team is not done. Uh, they're, they're not over. They're going to compete every single game, just as you would expect a Brian Flores-helmed team to do. Uh, and that despite uh, what their potential might be, they're going to try and fight everyone they can. I'll tell you who is done, Rich Hill. The New York football Jets. They are 0-3. <laughs> they got shut out by the Broncos. It was 20, 26 to nothing, I think, was the final score of that game. Yep. They're just terrible. I don't feel bad for the Jets because they're the Jets, and I'm a Patriots fan, and I, I'm not allowed to feel bad for the Jets. But you have to wonder, like, will they ever catch a break as a franchise? I, I don't think they will. Yeah, well, what's hard to see is, like, they just don't have the talent, like, which, which is unbelievable. For a team that's so bad for so long, that's, like, really bad at drafting, is they should have a ton of cap space to go get players who can at least be adequate. You know, like you, you can overpay a medium tier player and you can have a team that looks like they could go seven and nine on a regular year, right? Like this is a Jets team that is not even trotting out replacement level players. Like they, they are tanking this team. They are the 76ers when they went out and said, we're not going to try. And so maybe they're just done. Like they're, they got their quarterback in Zach Wilson. They're going to do poorly again this year and maybe try and bolster up an offensive line. I mean, they, they are not one player away from even being average. They, they need a complete rework. Uh, and it's surprising to me that a team could be so devoid of talent. It's true. I mean, you figure after years and years of utility, you'd finally turn it around and be able to make a run. Like, for example, Rich, the last team the AFC's even talked about yet, the Buffalo Bills, oh, yeah. who are dominated the Washington football team. They looked great. They're clearly the best team in the AFC East. No surprise there. But there were some question marks early in the season. You know, did they drop that game to the Steelers? Are they not that good? Are they overrated? But uh, I think it's going to be a very long season for anybody playing the Bills this year. Oh, totally. And also, you know, great benefit for every team playing Washington because Washington has one of the worst defenses in the entire league. Uh, I think they only forced two punts the entire game. Uh, wow. So the Bills were able to do whatever they wanted the entire time. Uh, I think Washington did a force a turnover on downs in there as well. But the Bills were marching up and down the field. And while definitely give credit to the Bills offense, Josh Allen had himself a great day, four touchdown passes, uh, 75% completion rate. The fact of the matter is this Washington defense was just terrible. Very, very, yeah. very bad. Um, they, 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 for all of their strength of their defensive line, they have no talent on the secondary. So uh, you have to hope that the Patriots, once they uh, are able to play Washington, they have the, the talent ready to roll uh, to, in the passing game uh, because we haven't seen it yet. Um, and, and before we move on to talk about the Patriots taking on uh, the Saints, let's talk about one last game. The Baltimore Ravens beating the Detroit Lions 19-17 in any other week 
with the Lions at 0-3 right now being also one of the worst teams in the league. A Ravens team that should be competing for the AFC crown, beating a winless team, should not be of note. No one should care about that. But folks, the Baltimore Ravens drove down the field at the very, very end of the game with time expiring. And Justin Tucker lined up for a NFL record attempt, 66-yard field goal attempt, and kicked it, and it bounced off the crossbar, and it went through. That is absolutely ridiculous. To win the game, mind you. It wasn't a tie game that, like, if he missed it, they would go into overtime. If he missed this, they would have lost the game. They put him out there to try and win the game and save a loss with a NFL record field goal attempt, and he did it. I, in my mind, Alec, that puts Tucker up there with Vinatieri for, you know, top two kicker of all time. And honestly, with the way that he's been able to produce, he's probably the most talented, just haven't had the opportunities in the way that Vinatieri has on the biggest stage. I mean, look, if you're a Patriots fan, you have to appreciate great clutch kickers. And he is absolutely that. He's only 31 years old. He's got a long career ahead of him. Kickers, as Vinatieri illustrated, can play well into their 40s. Half tip to him, man. I think that also came off like a fourth and 19 conversion to get him within 66 yards. That's just a wild finish. You're right. You shouldn't need that kind of finish to beat the Detroit Lions. But again, Rich, that's why you play the game. Any team can win on any given day. And anytime you see not only like a 66 yarder, but like literally like it bounced off the cro- off the, 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 the goalpost and it was straight up in the air. And I had no clue if it was in or not. It kind of just bounced straight back down again. Totally wild finish. Wild week overall. Again, three phenomenal weeks of football so far in 2021. Unfortunately, as Patriots fans, we are not celebrating the way some fans are. We're not really a victory Tuesday for us. It is a woe-begotten Tuesday for us. (laughs) The Patriots dropped one to the Saints. They lost pretty badly, pretty handily. You said it, Rich. It's one of those things where I don't know what it is about this team, but in a weird way, I'm taking solace in the fact that even without Tom Brady – even during this rebuild, even in a year where they have a rookie quarterback and a whole new team and a new roster, they still find a way just to lay an egg at least once or twice a season. And it happened against the Saints, and it's kind of just the way it is. Yeah, and like in all honesty, it wasn't as bad as the final score indicates. You know, the Patriots, they, you know, they weren't blown out by the Saints. I think that's like important to emphasize is that it was a competitive game, if not for like two plays. You know, that, that one play right before the half where Mac Jones threw that interception uh, and, and then the this like, he was hit as he threw. The Saints intercepted it. P.J. Williams returned it inside the 10-yard line. And, okay, you gave the Saints very favorable field position. Jameis Winston, this was the play that I was talking about earlier, was in the grasp and still threw the ball up, and the Saints receiver was able to come down with it in like a one-in-a-hundred sort of play. That that doesn't happen. And so that was an indication that the bounces weren't going to go the Patriots' way. And so, okay, St. Scott points out of it. Then you come out of the half, and this was like the impossible reverse double score around the half. You know you how the Patriots always try and score right before the half so then they can get the ball back in the second half and try and distance themselves. This was the case where they had two turnovers and handed the Saints that double score. And so the very, very first play of the second half, Max Jones – threw an interception. It wasn't his fault. It was directly into Hunter Henry's hands, and he kind of flipped up directly into Malcolm Jenkins' arms, and he went into the end zone untouched. So 14 points on the board for the Saints. Effectively, you know, just bad luck. 
And that's the difference. You know, Patriots were driving. I know that Mac Jones threw an interception to close the game, but they were in field goal range. So if, if those points weren't on the board, Patriots were in a position to win it. Like, this was a situation where there was just a few really bad plays that busted the game open, but it wasn't as bad as the score indicates. No, it wasn't. I think it was Jonu Smith that had that drop on Hunter Henry. But they're pretty interchangeable because, honestly, you know, the tight ends haven't been doing what we were hoping they've been doing so far in the season. It is still early, but I think Jonu Smith gets my anti-game ball. I think he had both of those drops on those two uh, Mac Jones picks. Another drop earlier, he missed a blocking assignment. Just, uh, just a rough day all around. I'd love to know the correlation between, like, poor special teams play and Patriots losses. I bet is almost a one-to-one ratio. When you have a block punt and a kick go out of bounds, nobody loves him for special teams more than Bill Belichick. He's always talking about the importance of special teams and field position and switching the field and making sure you're getting contributions from all three phases of the game. And when you're giving the units short fields on a regular basis, yes, I agree. The stat line doesn't look great for the defense. I know a lot of folks this morning are upset about the run defense and to a degree they have a leg to stand on because Kamara had a pretty big day. But if you break down the stats, Rich, most of those rushing yards came in the second half where the defense was forced to go out there after multiple three and outs. The Patriots couldn't get anything going on offense. And when you have a strong running team that can grind the ball well, you're eventually going to be successful if you keep giving them opportunities. So I do think that they'll Issues they had are very fixable uh, on defense, especially there are a couple of plays they really should have, should have stopped. But again, that happened. The Saints are paid to make plays too. The one thing that really does concern me though, Rich, this is now the kind of the third straight week that the offensive line has struggled. Uh, I know Trent Brown is out. I know he will be back. And thank goodness, because that right tackle position is an absolute sieve at the moment. But uh, I'm not really seeing steady development with the other players either along the offensive line. And having a rookie like Mac Jones back there who is going to be taking some hits, you need to protect him, you need a lot of high percentage plays. I'm starting to wonder if maybe we can kind of maybe coax Skarnacki out of retirement to fix this offensive line. Yeah, I mean, like, that is definitely a, a need that they would have is that right tackle spot. I, I think what's really apparent is uh, Justin Heron is not it. Very not good there. Uh, I, I believe he allowed eight pressures, which was the most on the entire team. So whether it's Durant or Heron, they are not getting adequate replacement level tackle play uh, with Trent Brown out. So Brown coming back, I believe would, I mean, honestly, have a huge trickle down effect because as we've known in the past, Shaq Mason struggles when his right tackle is not consistent. Uh, he spent most of his time with Marcus Cannon on one side. And so for there to be just an unreliable player next to him, means that he has to compensate. It makes it harder for Shaq, which makes it harder for David Andrews. I think the left side of the line, Michael Onwenu is the best player that the Patriots have on the line right now. He's been continuing his very stellar play. He's been such a steal for the Patriots. Uh, and, and then you have Isaiah Wynn, who is you know steady as he goes. He's not great by any means, but he's not a liability. And so when it comes to what can the Patriots do to fix their offensive line, honestly, it just comes down to Trent Brown coming back. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots tried to acquire veteran talent at that right tackle spot. You know, in the past, they've had like the Corey Cunninghams uh, of the world that they've acquired. They need someone with starting experience on that right tackle spot. That's not bad. Uh, so maybe not a Marshall Newhouse kind of a player, but someone who can step in and not allow a pressure every other snap like both Durant and Heron have been doing. And so once they're able to do that, I, and, you know, honestly, hopefully Trent Brown can come back this week. Once the Patriots have that sort of help, 
I imagine that the running game will settle down and then it'll make it a little bit easier for Mac Jones. I hope so, man, because, you know, obviously a, a good offensive line is a rookie's best friend, but a rookie's second best friend is a solid running game. They couldn't get anything going on the ground on Sunday, and they lost, in my opinion, the most important player of the entire 2021 season in James White. Uh, really sucked to see him go down with a hip subluxation. I think that's the name of the injury. I'm still not 100% sure what that is. Uh, it's a couple months recovery at least. I'd be amazed if he came back. Maybe if the Patriots make a run and they're in playoff contention and he comes back for the playoffs, maybe I see him doing that. But I think he's done for the year, and you just can't replace that. You just can't do it. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, that that was another difficult thing to see. It's like, I love Brandon Bolton. I think Bolton is such a consummate Patriot. He's fantastic on special teams. He does whatever is asked of him. And he's, like, he's, a, like, a pretty good receiving running back. You know, all things considered, he's someone that you could put out there for a wheel route and expect that, hey, he has a chance to come down with it in a way that maybe some other running backs you wouldn't trust. The thing is, is that when you put him behind the running back or behind the line to run the ball, it is not good. He looked like dancing Lawrence Maroney out there, and there was a short yardage play where if he had just lowered his shoulder, he probably could have gotten the yardage, but he just danced and tried to bounce outside and just wasn't able to get anything at all, and it, it ended the drive. And so when Bolden's out there running the ball, it's a net negative, to, to be quite frank. And so the Patriots like him out there as the backup because he can both run and catch the ball. I think that's why you have J.J. Taylor on the roster. And, and I think that with and if White is out, you need to prepare J.J. Taylor to take on that bigger role and give him the opportunity to show why he's on that roster as that offensive player in the way that Bolden should be back on special teams. You need to give Taylor the opportunity to be that Deion Lewis-esque player that Ivan Fears says that he saw, uh, the Patriots running back coach, that, that they saw in camp and allow Taylor to have the opportunities to really step into his own. I will agree and say the exact same thing to a different level about Ramondre Stevenson, who is also a good receiving back. I think there's really no excuse now for him to be in the doghouse. White's on IR for the foreseeable future. He's got some fumble issues, but I feel like Ramondre Stevenson probably would have gotten that Yep. to go or the third and one if they totally. give it to him instead of Brandon Bolden so you know maybe he's back on the roster now as much as it sucks to James White out maybe this will get Stevenson in there and I think he will be maybe a the missing piece of a kind of hybrid running back slash receiving back that James White was so well they're going to be okay with that I also honestly I was kind of impressed with the receiving core as much as one can be yep. on on Sunday Kendrick Bourne looked good had that touchdown that scamper into the end zone Jacoby Myers continues to go to do his thing. I think Mac Jones hit like eight or nine different Patriots for reception. So there are pieces in play. Just as you said, Rich, nothing really quite went the way it was supposed to. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, I, I loved what we saw out of Kendrick Bourne. I thought that he had a, a really solid day out there. He caught all six of his catchable passes, 96 yards and a touchdown. That was a nice little toe-tap to score at the end there. Uh, and then you have Jacoby Myers, who's pretty consistent. You would like to see a little bit more out of him from, a, like, an efficiency standpoint, but he did his job out of the slot. Nine catches, 94 yards. I think where we need to see more production from is with the opportunities to Nelson Aguilar. He had eight targets, only got in two catches for 17. Uh, I, I think that he needs to have either better opportunities uh, if the Patriots can give Mac Jones some more protection in the back, or you know we have to admit that Mac Jones isn't going to get that op time to allow the place to really develop down the field and say, Bourne and Myers, you're two guys out there. Um, 
And also, you need more from the tight ends. You paid them the big bucks this year. Hunter Henry, 36 yards on five catches, not going to catch it. Uh, you're right, I misspoke uh, earlier. Henry was the target of the first interception before the half. Johnny Smith was the one after the half. But Smith had six targets, only had one catch for four yards. And so you need a lot more production than six catches for 40 yards on the 12 targets to your two tight ends. Totally. I get out. We've always saying this, you know, this, this offense is going to run through the running backs and the two tight ends. It's going to be, I think that would have been with Cam Newton, it would have been with Mac Jones. This is going to be a big smash mouth in your face and pose your will offense. Now, some of that may be, who knows, your point about Trent Brown being back, kind of gelling things up. Maybe they need to utilize the tight ends a lot more to block. So they're getting so little protection along the line, so much pressure. I don't know. I haven't done that deep dive into the blocking schemes yet. So maybe this is a scenario where Trent Brown comes back and the tight ends can do their thing a little more. But they were targeted, and they weren't catching it. And they're dropping it, and I don't know. Early enough to not really panic about it, but when you pay big money for a player, you want to see that player step in right away and do well. Case in point, Matthew Judon, who has been having oh, yeah. a lights-out, lights-out campaign so far. Probably, as of right now, as this conversation, the best signing they made in terms of free agency. He's all over the field. He's doing great things. The pieces are in place, Rich Hill. Like, they're there, but we're just not really seeing them put together. And, yeah, I think maybe that your point about that Jermaine Winston throw to Marquez Callaway, where he kind of just closed his eyes and hucked it up there, and he came down with it. Sometimes it just happens, right? Sometimes you're just on the ass end of plays like that, and you have to just deal with yep. it. And how you bounce back from it is going to be really important. I think there's an opportunity here for Mac Jones as a rookie to kind of take his licks, take his beating, kind of get your welcome to the NFL moment, respond really well. And luckily, Rich, total bums coming into town next week. No hype about this game whatsoever. A nice, Ooh. easy one for the Patriots. Good. Shouldn't be a problem. No narratives, no storylines, no overhyping anything. So I can't imagine a better opponent for a rookie coming off a pretty bad loss than the greatest quarterback of all time returning to his home stadium on prime time. What a great way to bounce back. Oh, yeah. It should be a pretty low-pressure situation for him. And, I mean, like, in all honesty for Mac Jones, he's faced more blitzes than any other quarterback in the entire league, right? I, I think that that is an indication of what other teams are trying to do to beat the Patriots is say, okay, your right tackle's gone. We're going to overload that side, generate a lot of pressure. And now your pass-blocking running back's gone. We're going to do even more blitzes to try and get in your face. Uh, and it's really fortunate that the Bucks next week don't have any really good pass rushers like Shaq Barrett uh, or, or anyone else that can really provide pressure up front. So fortunately, Patriots get a break next week. Um, but before we, we, we hang up this week or for you know our Tuesday podcast recap, one last point on our, on our defensive side. I feel like it wasn't as bad as it indicates, right? They only allowed technically 21 points. Uh, and, and seven of those came on a, a very, very, very short field. And so I don't blame the defense whatsoever. I do think that we need to see more from some of these players. And the one player in particular that I'm thinking of is Dante Hightower. But I would yeah. also like to see a little bit more from their defensive interior. I think Lawrence Guy has not been having a good year. I think he's being outplayed by Godshaw as well as Barmore. Uh, honestly, and Davis is not better by any means, but I, I think that Guy has been a liability out there. And so I, I think we know that he's capable of playing better. We know it. And so he needs to step up to that level again that we've seen in the past that he's definitely capable of doing. And we need to see more out of Hightower because he is the defensive captain for a reason. He's being outplayed by Bentley. And as we've always known for these Bill Belichick defenses, they are as good as the linebackers are able to play. And if Hightower can't step it up, 
then this is going to be a very, very long season for the run defense, no matter how good Judon is or how good any of the other players are in the defensive front. What is it about Hightower, you think, Rich? think he's kind of just slow to come back, shaking off the rust still after opting out of 2020. I know he's in his 30s. He's coming off a couple of major injuries in his career. Has he hit that proverbial cliff, or are you still holding a hope he's going to be all right once the season gets or going underway a little more? Yeah, I'm, I'm still thinking it's in the rust mode. We, we've seen this from him in the past where it takes him you know, half a season to get into the swing of things. I think he's obviously on the back end of his career, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots tried to bring in another linebacker of the future. There's a reason why they extended Raekwon McMillan, who's on the IR. Uh, this week they gave him a one-year extension so he can do his rehab from a torn ACL and then come back next season. And though, so I think that the Patriots will have their eyes on the Hightower replacement of the future. Uh, but I, I think that hopefully, you know, by midseason, we'll have a better indication of is this the new normal for Dante Hightower or will he be able to return back to his old form? Hopefully it's the latter, Rich, because there's some pretty tough opponents coming up. It's a pretty interesting stretch of uh, the next couple of weeks. You got the Chargers coming up, you got the Cowboys, the Buccaneers, obviously. Another stint with the Jets. So some winnable games, some some very losable games coming up. But, um, you know, I, they, they always say that the September games are a preseason extension. Uh, that's definitely true here as well. Yep. But, uh, again, I think people that are kind of dooming and glooming right now, I mean, we both thought they were going to win on Sunday. We're kind of in that camp as well. Uh, I do think once you kind of have that 2020 hindsight and the ability to go back and look at the tape and see what actually happened and how sometimes things just don't go your way and like one or two dumb mistakes can really cost any team any game at any time uh, I do think the ceiling's still pretty high for this team yeah totally I, I think that they are a couple bad bounces away from honestly being 3-0 which means that this is an average team this is a team that is in that 7-9 to 9-7 range uh, and they're still finding their footing I think they have a lot of upside uh, next week won't be easier as they take on the Bucks. We'll break that down on our Thursday podcast, but uh, I think that the final half of the season has a lot of games, as you mentioned, that are pretty winnable if this team is able to turn the corner. I have hopes out for that, but until we start breaking down this Bucks game on Thursday, Alec, do you have any final thoughts on week three of the NFL season? I do not. We are on to that rival of ours, Tom Brady. Oh, what a weird thing to say. Very weird. Well, until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See ya. Later.